Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Food Heals Podcast, episode 117. What had hit me the hardest was my grandma. She was the one who actually came up to me and said, what happened? You used to be pretty. Because grandmas don't hold shit back. Yeah. No. They don't need to. They've been around the block too long. It's like, <laughs> yeah. they're like we don't, I don't have time to waste. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. 
All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today we're talking about a subject that we haven't really covered a lot on the Food Heals podcast, but it actually affects 20 million women and 10 million men in the U.S. each year. That's right. We're talking about eating disorders. Eating disorders are serious, potentially life-threatening conditions that affect a person's physical and emotional health. And, you know, treating an eating disorder such as anorexia, bulimia, or, you know, binge eating, it can be tricky and everyone has their own path that they had to follow to overcome this, including you, Suze. Yeah, it's true. I'm going to share my experience. When I was nine years old, I had a sort of a subconscious eating disorder for a summer. Very short, but it was definitely an issue with food. And I think I was trying to control my world with food. And the reason I want to share this it's because the title of our show is called Food Heals. Uh-huh. But this is something we've never touched on before where, you know, people can have a lot of issues around food. Yeah. And, you know, they can be mental, emotional, and physical, and they manifest in different ways. And this is my story yeah. that we've never talked about. <laughs> An expose. Expose. Susie Harding. <laughs> Just kidding. No, thank you, Susie, for sharing your story. Um, I really appreciate it because I feel like there's so many... Food Heals Nation listeners that can relate to your story and to Jasmine's. We're going to talk to Jasmine Briones after that. Her story is quite interesting too. She used veganism to mask her eating disorder that she had in college and then she used the same thing, veganism, to heal the very same eating disorder. I know and like so many women she had to come out on the other side of her issues with food to realize that her problem was lack of self-love. I think everybody in this world needs more self-love. Even those people that we think are super confident. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even Oprah. Even even the... I think Oprah's pretty good on the (laughs) self-love. But my point is like, everyone, even if they're preaching it and they've overcome it, it's like you're still going to have roadblocks. So you have to constantly remind yourself, like, I love myself. I choose to take care of myself. I am loved. I am taken care of. And if you don't, like, you can always tread back down a, a path that you know, you don't want to be on. Moving back to eating disorders, both Susie and Jasmine have come out of it stronger. And so now both of them help other people get healthy. Um, And that's what Jasmine's doing. Have you seen her Instagram? I mean, I know it's ridiculous. She's got over a 100,000 followers. Wow. (laughs) And her food photos are just stunning. Food porn. Food porn. Absolutely. Gorgeous. I love it. Um, but before we get into Susie and Jasmine's stories, we just want to tell you about some new items we've discovered recently from the Global Healing Center. We recently discovered the Female Fusion, which is a natural female vitality and hormone balancing tincture. Female Fusion is a premier herbal formula for women that's designed to assist in regulating the proper hormone balance necessary to support normal energy levels, superior vitality, and a balanced mood. And who doesn't need that? I know. (laughs) And as we get older, our hormones change, right? Right. And get out of whack. Whatever, you know, whatever goes on. It's a delicate dance. It is a delicate dance. That's a good way to put it. And so, you know, as women, if we're experiencing an off balance, it's very often hormones. And so, So it's definitely something to look at. Another thing we've discovered recently is the Silver Fusion, which is also a tincture, and that helps boost your immune system. And Susie, I don't know about you, but I always take silver when I'm sick. It's it's very healing and very powerful. Yeah, I started to. It's one of the things I have in my arsenal. Silver Fusion is 99.999. <laughs> That's right. 99.999. Almost 100. Pure submicroscopic silver particles electrically suspended in a triple distilled water base. 
produced with 20,000 volts of high-voltage AC technology to ensure small particle size and maximum absorption. Colloidal silver has a long history of use for supporting good health, fighting harmful organisms, and boosting the immune system. So that's for all the science nerds that need to know the science behind And I'm a science nerd, and I didn't, that's even like, whoa, okay, 20,000 volts. But I do know that colloidal silver helps bacteria and viruses from proliferating and that's really how or that's one of the ways i don't even know if there's direct impact on your actual immune system it's sort of like an auxiliary uh force for your immune system it's actually you know preventing those little bugs from yeah from multiplying <laughs> don't let them multiply mm-hmm. <laughs> so the global healing center is one of our favorite places to shop they have so many great supplements like we were talking about today they've got a great digestive enzyme vegan B12, they've got probiotics, calcium, magnesium, and they're just my go-to for vitamins, supplements, and cleanses. So to pick up your supplements, go to globalhealingcenter.com and enter the coupon code FOODHEALS to get 20% off your order any Global Healing Center product. Plus free shipping. Who doesn't love free shipping? I do. You're singing again. I love it. (laughs) All right, we're going to be right back to talk with Susie and to talk with Jasmine about eating disorders. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. So, Susie, you are nine years old. Tell us what happened. Two things. I was going from a private school to a public school, which I was actually looking forward to. I was in private Catholic school, and I actually was going once a week to this to our public school system. I was in a gifted program, and I loved it. I, I can't imagine you were anything but gifted, Susie. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I loved it because I wore a uniform every day, and I was taught by nuns. And it was a good education, but they were very strict, and I didn't enjoy that. And in public school, everybody got to wear what they they got to wear regular clothes, uh-huh. and they got to have pizza for lunch, and. You know, it was just a more playful um, environment for children. And so I was excited to go. And I, and I was also going with my best friend. We were mm. both going over together. And I think we were in the same classroom. So, But I was still kind of nervous about it. I was a sensitive child. Still am. I'm always, I've always been a sensitive person. That's sure. why I became a, um, a healer and a massage therapist. But what happened was right before that summer... My dad came to me and said, your mom and I are getting divorced. Mm. Now, they never divorced. That never happened. But at the time, I heard that, uh, internalized it, and, you know, kind of freaked out quietly inside. That's so traumatic. Yeah. And that night, we went out to dinner as a family, and my little brother was coloring. We went to TGI Fridays, um, which we always loved. It was a very fun place for kids. And my brother was coloring, and I remember sitting there and starting to feel very panicky. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel nauseous. We were right by the kitchen, and I just started to feel nauseous. And I started to have the thought that, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. Mm. Even though I hadn't eaten yet. And oh my God, I'm going to throw up in public. And oh my God, isn't that going to be embarrassing? I have to get out of here. I was yeah. basically having a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And so I asked my mom and dad for the keys to the car. And I went and I just laid in the car. I did not eat dinner that night. And for pretty much the next two and a half, three months, I barely ate food because the thought of food, even the smell of food and seeing my family eating made me nauseous, even though I needed food, I hadn't been eating. Right. And it triggered this whole panic response in me that was obviously connected to my dad telling me that your mom and I are getting divorced 
on top of knowing that I'm changing schools and have to go meet new friends and my world was turned upside down. Your world was absolutely turned upside down. Like this is huge life changes for a nine-year-old who most nine-year-olds know what their routines are and how life is and mom and dad are together Mm -hmm. in, in, you know, not every case, but in in your case. And Mm -hmm. so to have that, all that shifting in your school shifting, that's a lot. Yeah. And so I know that for most eating disorders, it's often about control. Now, I wasn't consciously trying to control my environment. Kids mm-hmm. can't, right? Even adults can't. It's control. the illusion. There's a lot you can't control. Of control. Right, but I wasn't even trying to do that. I literally felt nauseous and panicky at the thought of eating, mm. which is so messed up um, <laughs> because I never, I never really had any issues with food. But that whole summer, I barely ate. And I lost a lot of weight. I remember the day that this this flipped, though. It was my brother's birthday, end of August. Um, and I put on a dress that I'd worn before, and I put on the belt that um, I'd worn with it. And I put the belt on, and I remember this vividly. And I remember coming to the notch where it was usually uh, buckled. Right. And you can right. usually see where it's been worn. And then I just kept going mm-hmm. and kept going. And kept going mm-hmm. like another four notches down and wow. I was like wow but my brother's birthday the way that this flipped was I loved to play soccer when I was a kid and I was pretty good at it and a, a impromptu soccer game broke out in his birthday party and it played so much that I got really hungry and I was having fun and that kind of surpassed the panic and it kind of reset my brain like oh yeah I'm hungry I need to eat food right and then I went to school and then everything was fine and then my parents didn't get divorced anyway but it was pretty creepy it was pretty scary it was very odd it wasn't again I you know it is some sort of eating disorder but it wasn't conscious and it wasn't intentional and it I don't know I still think about it I'm like you know it's gone it's over it's done with part of my past um, I think I have a pretty good relationship with food. I love food. <laughs> but um, I have compassion for those that do have more more conscious eating disorders where they are trying to control or they're trying or and it's more about your weight or the way you look or being loved. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of empathy for them for for women that go through that for like Jasmine. Of course. And it is so psychological. And it sounds like that was, you know, maybe your trigger moment with your father telling you that. And somehow your brain went, well, we can't control mom and dad, but we can control this, whether you knew it or not. Right. And so it's that illusion of control. But when you were um, recovering from it, it sounds like the way you put it happened quickly. Do you remember it being a quick process or like a slow, drawn out emotional process? No, it was quick because the thing that my dad, to be honest, I don't consciously remember my dad saying that to me mm-hmm. to this day. I still can't recall it. Yeah. I think it was ve- that was more traumatic than anything else in the school transition. And once I got through that and got back into um, moving, actually, you know, sports, I, I really feel like connecting with your body in a joyful way, whether it be dancing, sports, yes. walking. I usually feel like something that's more brisk kind of takes you out of your 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 mental stuckness. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. I know I know that that's what did it for me. Soccer that that soccer game did it for me. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people find uh, exercise to be very meditative, like runners that run for hours. Yeah. You know, and that's a way to heal. It is really interesting how little movement it takes to actually keep your body healthy. You do need to move. 
um, as someone who studied muscles, like we we need to move. Mm-hmm. Um, bugs that have exoskeletons that really don't have muscles, they don't need to move. They can stay still for days. Mm-hmm. We don't. <laughs> We're soft. We need to move. It's just the way it is. But it doesn't mean that it has to be running or it has to be harsh. Oh, no, or no, no, no. Uh, it doesn't have to be P90X. I know a lot of people love that kind of stuff, but yeah. it doesn't have to be. It can be Tai Chi, which is one of the most gentle mm-hmm yet uh, powerful ways you can connect body-mind. Well, thanks for sharing your story with us, Suze. You're welcome. That was barren, bearing <laughs> my childhood wounds. Yeah. You know what's so funny, too, is like sharing it with you is also uncovering, is also peeling back a layer, or like healing, because at the time I was just like, this is my life and this is, this is normal. Mm-hmm. As opposed to... Going, no, there's an issue here that needs to be addressed. Right, right. And I think that's what Jasmine does yes. with her story. Absolutely. And I give her a lot of credit for that. Whatever f- the Food Heals listeners have going on in their lives, it's like, it's there for a reason. Yeah. And I think that once you can accept and kind of not judge it and just go, yeah, it's part of my story and whatever, yeah. <laughs> it shifts. It does. Yeah. When there's no judgment around it, it shifts. Yeah. All right. Next, we're going to talk to Jasmine Briones, a.k.a. the Sweet Simple Vegan. That's right. Jasmine suffered with an eating disorder in college and used being vegan to mask that from her friends and family. After being confronted by her loved ones that she was too thin and looked unhealthy, Jasmine did some research about veganism and she learned that she needed to change her relationship with food and with herself. Today, Jasmine is a healthy vegan and a healthy weight and wants to spread the message of what she learned to love yourself and nourish that same self with a plant-based diet. Welcome, Jasmine. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you so much for having me today. We're so glad to have you. You're sitting in front of us now. You're this gorgeous girl, vegan, your YouTube (laughs) channel, your own website, your blog, your ebook. So how did you get here? How did this all start? Um, Well, like you mentioned, I did struggle with an eating disorder and um, I moved back home to LA and I got a job and I I give a lot of credit to um, someone I was working with at that job. She had a blog. I don't know, it just kind of inspired me slowly to get out there and start sharing some of like the vegan food that I was making and my friends and family were always so curious about it. So instead of making a website at first, I made an Instagram. I just started seeing random people follow me and it was like, it was really cool. It was really fun. And I I found like so much enjoyment in something that I had never done before. So I decided that I'll start a website. And so I started a free WordPress website at first. It was just like a little blog on the side. And then from there, it just transformed into what it is today. That's awesome. Yeah. And so where did your story start? When did you start suffering from an eating disorder? It was when I moved away from home for the very first time. Um, I went to UC Davis for my freshman year in college, and it was actually the first time I'd ever been away from home. My parents never used to even let me sleep over people's houses, so it was kind of just like a shock to me. I struggled with like um, socially, and I had a lot of pressure on me for academics and whatnot. So I think like with a combination of all of that, and um, Wait, I, ha- I have a question for you. You yeah. never ever once not once slept over a friend's house never wow i know so you're that's sheltered. even you that's, sheltered. that's Very even sheltered. more i mean we were discussing this right before we started the show about how going away to college is stressful and it's big change but that's even more so you yeah. really had never been away from your parents yeah wow yeah okay sorry go ahead <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i just i i started putting a lot of my time and energy into like focusing on myself and 
um, trying to make myself better. And I had a lot of trouble socially. Like I would go to parties and whatnot with my friends, but I just feel, felt like I didn't feel that comfort that I had back home. And I really was longing for that. You felt like you didn't fit in. You felt yeah, like definitely. You didn't feel good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of pressure. Like everybody always wanted to look the best, dress a certain way. I, it sounds stupid to say, but it definitely got to me. And so I just started working out a lot and restricting what I was eating. And then eventually it just snowballed into something that I was struggling with for a really long time. And what does that look like when you say restrict eating? That means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So what does that really mean? Were you not eating? Were you eating very little? Were you eating half meals? What was that? I was eating very little to the point where I remember I was eating about like 200 calories a day. It was terrible. And was this when you were doing the vegan diet or before? Before. I actually found veganism while I was struggling with my eating disorder. And like I, like you guys mentioned, I, I sort of masked my eating disorder with it. I found that when I went to the dining hall, um, there weren't a lot of vegan options or like pre-made vegan foods. I can get like salads and whatnot. So I would just tell my friends like, oh, I'm just going to like get food and eat here because I, I can't go out and eat with you because there's nothing there for me. And then I would just not eat anything for dinner. How did you make that choice to say you're a vegan oh I'll be a vegan and then I'll eat even less I I, I started looking into it for weight loss so I I was trying to find different diets online how Uh I can lose weight the fastest and I came across different YouTube channels and um, the raw vegan diet specifically so I started seeing how those women looked and I was like that's how I want to look that's the ideal body in my mind so I started to just slowly try to eat that way and did people start to notice so you're telling them oh i'm just gonna eat here i can't go out to eat did people start to question you and notice does she have a problem or was it just like oh everyone's in college out on their own who cares um one of my friends specifically she did i think she was the only one who really identified it as a problem because she had struggled with something previously but i just kind of always brushed it off and i was like oh i always like i had homework and i had to study and i was like i just need to stay back like there was always just excuses building up on each other And another thing is like, I hadn't seen my parents for a while. So they weren't seeing any of what had happened. So no one was holding me accountable for anything. And I was just the one seeing it myself. So I kind of felt like I had control over the situation. I think that's what made it worse. Like so fast. It is a really big change you go through anyone at that age, going from high school to college. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was severely affected as well. And I wasn't extremely sheltered, but I thought the same thing. I was like, all this freedom and what do I do with it? You have to make these choices all of a sudden that you didn't have to make before. It's very interesting. And what you said about control, everyone I've ever interviewed about anorexia or bulimia or any type of eating disorder, they say it's about control. What did it make you feel like you were in control of when you were eating this way? It made me feel like I was in control of my life. Just because it was such a new environment, I felt like I did not know what was going on anywhere, like in any aspect of my life. Like like I mentioned, socially or academically, everything was just so different. And holding on to like my food or controlling that part of my life, I just felt like that was, I guess, familiar to me. I don't know how to word that, but... That was definitely why I felt like I needed to control that aspect. And how are you holding up emotionally? I was definitely very down all the time. I really didn't like to talk to people. I would say I was depressed. I don't know if it was necessarily that, but that's the only way I could word it. Mm-hmm. So you're feeling depression and were you, did you ever get to the point like, I don't want to get out of bed, I don't want to go out with friends, like yeah. how, how bad did it get? Yeah, definitely. In the beginning it wasn't just because I did have more physical energy. 
but near the end um physically i just i was so depleted that i didn't want to do anything other than go to class and come back i guess mentally like i just didn't want to hold conversations with people because i always felt like they were going to judge me and it was interesting to me to look back at it and think i didn't want people to judge me because of how i looked initially i felt fat and whatnot and then when i was really skinny i didn't want to talk to people because i knew that they would say something about me being really skinny even though i liked how i looked that way i was just i don't really know how to explain the mindset that i had but no i totally understand it's like the cycle where you can't win because no matter what the problem is you feel people are going to judge you yeah, for whatever it definitely to be. and how was your body image and how you felt about yourself in high school I never struggled with anything of that sort. Like, mm-hmm. looking back at it, I I felt confident in high school, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why I didn't feel so much pressure as I did in college. Mm-hmm. I think it's also because in, in high school, my parents didn't let me sleep over and I didn't really go out to parties and whatnot. So I didn't see any of that lifestyle or culture. And I think that's what really affected me. So when you finally did go home, what was your parents' reaction when they saw you? The first time I went home was Thanksgiving or Christmas. Well, actually, initially I gained weight because I was restricting so much. And then when I would go, when I went back home for like the holiday, I was binging. So like Mm -hmm. I did gain weight. And actually my mom at the time didn't say anything because she didn't want to like make me feel bad. She had said something later on. But the time that they actually did identify it was at the end of my school year when I was at my worst. And um, yeah, that's when I was at my lowest weight. And my dad just stopped and just looked at me. And he, he just literally told me like, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. And my mom didn't want to admit to it. Like I told her, I was like, mom, I think I have a, a problem. Like I have an eating disorder. And she's like, no, you don't. You're fine. Don't worry. I don't think she wanted to admit to the problem. Wow. And I eventually found out that she had struggled with one when she was my age as well. Oh my wow. God. Yeah. That must have been really hard. Yeah. What had hit me the hardest was my grandma. She was the one who actually came up to me and said, what happened? You used to be pretty. And that kind of like shifted everything for me. Like I knew that I was really skinny and I knew that people were going to say things, but I don't know why coming from my grandma specifically just affected me so much. Because grandmas don't hold shit back. Yeah. No. They don't need to. They've been around the block too long. It's like, <laughs> yeah. they're like we don't, I don't have time to waste. I'll tell you like it is. I mean, that's, you know, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They don't grandmas, care. The grandmas are older and wiser and we respect them in most cases, like maybe even more than our parents because yeah. we're like, they're harmless and they've lived so much life. I have to listen to their wisdom. Well, there's yeah. also some, I was thinking about this recently. There's something about the generational skip. Like you, you, everybody's relationship with their mom and dad is very complicated. Like there's always a lot sure. there. But then with your grandparents, there's a, there's, a, there's a generational skip. So they still love you because they're, you're, they're their, you're their child's child. There isn't as much of that like parental tension, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you, what is your cultural background? My dad is from Ecuador mm-hmm. and then my mom is um, Irish, Chinese, Spanish, and Filipino. Oh, wow. But she grew up in the Philippines and mm-hmm. I grew up with Filipino culture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you think that that had anything to do with how they reacted to when they saw you or what your grandmother said? Um, actually, my grandma was um, she's she's Ecuadorian, but okay. I don't I don't know necessarily not from her. My aunties definitely had had things to say, yeah, and I definitely think that it was because of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to say like good for you for recognizing it and being like mom and dad, I need help. I mean, most people don't do that. No. And they go down a very, very dark spiral before someone pulls them out or they pull themselves out, mm-hmm. right? You know, before a hand comes in and helps you along the way. So that's fantastic. So how long did it last before you started to transition and and get yourself better? It started like in maybe like September. I finally started to make the change in like July of the next year. I think that's about 10 months. I can't add that fast. 10 months. So, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but even though I started to make the change, like, physically, I still struggled mentally for a long time after that. Like, I would say that when Chris came into my life, that's when I started to be more positive and love myself more. Oh, <laughs> And that's your boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And he's in the studio. Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a microphone. <laughs> All right. So when you were making this transition, can you tell us about what food choices you had to make and then what emotional choices you had to make? What did you do to get better? Because you were recognizing it. Your mom was kind of mm-hmm. denying it. Your grandma and your dad were like, yes, <laughs> we need to fix this. Yeah. What did you What did you do? What were um, the next steps? So I started going to an eating disorder um, group. There was a lot of women there that were struggling and we had like a counselor, a nutritionist, and I also spoke with a dietitian and a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it was kind of mixed all around um, in regards to what they were all telling me to do, but what had affected me the most wasn't actually from the health professionals, but it was actually from the women who were struggling themselves. Seeing how far they went with the eating disorder and mm-hmm. how much it affected their lives, mm-hmm. it, it was scary. Mm-hmm. And I told myself, like, I never want to be in that position. And I went into it trying to control my life, but eventually I started losing control. And I saw that they all had done the same thing. And so I didn't want to do that to my parents. I didn't want to be a burden to anyone else. And I wanted to just better myself for that. Um, a lot of people that I have known that had eating disorders did not turn it around in nine months. No. Like it, yeah. it wasn't just a, no. a a trip of nine months. It yeah. was right. years and years and years. So mm-hmm. good for you for really being able to turn the train around. Thank you. I really I really think that it was my family who helped me. They, they were so loving and supportive through all of it. And my mom knew that I had struggles. And she was there with me. When I was crying and when I was frustrated and when I wanted to get better. Of course, eventually she admitted that I did have a problem, but she was the one who pushed me to go to the group and she was the one who tried to get me the help I needed. So I really, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I heard you mention that, you know, healing the physical issues was one component Mm -hmm. and then it was really healing the emotional and finding that self-love. So what does that process look like? It definitely took a while and I... For one thing, like after I went vegan, I wanted to make a better, like better myself physically. And I started to see the different benefits of veganism in regards to like for the environment, for the animals and everything. And it helped me because I, I knew that I was going to help myself with my health. But then I also knew that I was helping so many other people and other things in the world if I did that. And that kind of pushed me because I knew that I was doing so much more than I was before. And um, I was introduced to the vegan community. I went to vegan potluck on a whim. I actually brought my mom the first time. (laughs) But I I made a lot of friends there, and it was kind of the community that I was missing. Like, I did have friends previously from high school and all, but they didn't understand the vegan lifestyle, and I also still felt isolated in that way. And I don't know. That's kind of when I felt at home, like when I was introduced to that community. Well, there is a huge, amazing vegan community here in L.A., which is incredible. I know that we have a lot of mutual friends. Yeah. um, And I'm sure we've been to some of the same potlucks as well, (laughs) actually. But um, why did you decide to stay vegan? Because you said originally raw vegan was weight loss and to have yeah. to have a good body. But mm-hmm. why did it stick with you? Was it a moral thing? Was it a diet thing? Was it all of the above? It was all of the above. I wanted to heal myself in the best way possible. And I knew that the vegan diet was the healthiest thing that I could do for my body. And then just with that, I started reading more, learning more about the benefits. And I just realized, like, this is what I need to do like to heal myself. And this is how I need to live my life for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> so were you ever, did you ever go through the animal activism phase or was it just for health? Um, definitely for the animals. Um, I started for health, but again, once I was exposed to all of the other information, I was very adamant about animal activism. Well, just especially in my home, 
that I was very hard on my parents about everything and I realized that's not the best thing that I could have done. <laughs> but yeah, there was definitely a part of me that was. So how long ago was it from today when you say you like, okay, you healed yourself? Wow. It was definitely a process, but I would say that, like I still, I, I want to admit, I still do struggle. I still judge myself at times. I still have low self-esteem at times, but what has changed is the fact that I'm recognizing that this is happening and I don't want it to take over my life anymore. And I would say that about a year, like maybe like a year and a half ago is when I really truly felt that I had full control over everything. Well, good for you. Thank you. <laughs> I want to give you like a round of applause. Her brand name is like so fitting. Sweet, simple, <laughs> vegan. You are so sweet. All right, so let's talk about when did you start to make this brand? And we talked about a little bit at the beginning, but the Instagramming and the mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Now you're not just going to potlucks as an attendee, you're going to potluck as a vegan celebrity, you know? <laughs> I don't know what the what the proper word is. You're this vegan influencer mm-hmm. in the community that, you know, helped you. So can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. So once I started Instagram, a lot of people started asking so many questions, and I, I did find a lot of girls that did struggle with eating disorders like I did. I realized like I needed to be that source of help for them like when I first went vegan I fell off of it because I didn't fully educate myself I didn't have that sense of community and I went on Instagram that's how that's what really pushed me to keep going because I knew that there were other people that were doing what I was doing and so I realized that I could be that support for individuals that are following me for people who wanted to go vegan for people who are struggling with eating disorders and I I wanted to be that inspiration for them and that's what really motivated me to keep going because I saw people were responding positively to what I was doing and I was helping people and that was like my main goal with everything and eventually like now I'm technically a nutritionist I just graduated with a degree in nutrition and um, I hope to be a dietitian and my main goal is to work with people transitioning into a vegan diet and help them do it in the right in the easiest way for them. Where did you graduate from? I went to Cal State LA. Wow. Yeah. Well, isn't that a long program? Well, for me, it took five years just because I, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life yeah. and what my major was, but it should take about four years. But the thing is, I didn't do my internship yet, so that's going to be another two years. Very cool. Yeah. Well, good for you for spreading the message. So what kind of Thank videos you. do you make? Um, on my YouTube, I do recipes and a lot of lifestyle. I show like my days, what I eat on a normal day. I just want to show people that it's easy, accessible, and that anyone can do it. Yeah, they can. So mm-hmm. what are some examples of some easy, quick recipes that people could make at home? One of my favorite things is banana ice cream. I'm sure you guys have made that before, but it's just frozen bananas, process it with like cocoa or cacao powder and top it with fresh fruit. And I, that's like one of my favorite meals. And if you want to go into the more savory end, I love to make like kind of bootable type things. So just beans, rice, avocado, um, and any vegetables you have. And then I top it with like a tahini or like hummus dressing. And it's just, I like to keep it simple. I promote like a whole foods plant-based diet and the simplest thing, sweet and simple, that's where my name comes <laughs> from, but I, I want to keep it easy for people and I like to keep it easy for myself because I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> so you just eat what your what makes your body feel good. Where are you coming from that on that angle in terms of nutrition as you stand now? Um, I, I do definitely eat how, like what makes my body feel good mm-hmm. and I... I myself promote a whole foods plant-based diet. I don't promote like refined foods or like very processed foods and just keep it simple. Oil-free definitely um, is what I promote. I like to explain it to people how a lot of people um, avoid refined sugars. Mm -hmm. It's sort of the same. It's the same thing. Oil is not a whole food. It's a refined food. It's 100% fat. 
And we can get our fats from healthier sources such as like avocado, coconuts, nuts, and seeds because those have fat, but they also have carbohydrates. They have protein, all the vitamins and minerals you would find in nature that's natural to so those it's, foods. So it's more because it's a processed food. Yeah, definitely. I see. So you follow the Forks Over Knives camp, guys. Yes, yes. definitely. <laughs> They're all the oil-free people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. I Since learning about that, and I remember looking it up and being – pretty convinced from that whole camp of people that Mm -hmm. really subscribe to that and so I've really limited my oil intake since then I haven't completely taken it out but Mm -hmm. I've really limited it because I was a coconut oil junkie I put it in everything on everything on my body in my frying pan you know (laughs) like I was like this is healthy yeah (laughs) so what kind of diets do you help people with because are you the type of person that's like everyone has their own specific dietary needs? Or are you the type of person that's like, look, if you eat more plants, you're going to feel better? I definitely promote a plant-based diet. That's the only thing that I will promote. I I want to work as a plant-based nutritionist. So I, yeah, I wouldn't promote anything other than that. So let's talk about self-love. So when you're helping people, how do you really help them get to that place? Because that's a tough one. That's not an overnight change your diet thing. Mm-hmm. Even not that you can change your diet overnight most times. Yeah. But self-love takes a little more time and a lot more effort, in my opinion. For me, it did. It wasn't easy to change my diet, but I was so motivated that it was simple. Every time I gave something up, I never went back. Gave up chicken, Mm -hmm. cold turkey, never went back. Gave up seafood, cold turkey, haven't gone back. You know, things like that. So that transition was more easy for me. But working on the emotional stuff has been the biggest struggle and takes the longest. And you're never done, right? We're always always working on that. So how do you help people discover their own self-love and learn to love themselves and not judge themselves? I like to definitely share my story and first off and just show people that I did struggle with a lot of things that they might be. In, In regards to nutrition, I always tell people that if you really do love yourself, you'll be giving yourself the best form of like fuel for like the rest of your day, for the rest of your life. And I really think that that is a a huge part of self-love is proper nutrition and spend time with yourself. Get to know yourself. I used to hate being alone or like hate being at home because I felt like I needed to be out with my friends and I needed to be doing all these social things because I felt pressure to do it. And I realized that I was neglecting my own personal relationship and people need to take that time out of their day to just sit down and like, yeah, again, spend time with yourself, relax, and just, like, enjoy your own your own self. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely something that a lot of people don't do in their daily life. And how do you feel about your body image now? Do you have a more healthy relationship? I know you said that you still struggle, and I think mm-hmm. we all do. That's I don't think part we're of being ever human. done. Yeah. yeah. But just in terms of, like, a comparison from how you were when you were really sick mm-hmm. compared to how you are now, like, how does that image change in your mind? I definitely think that I have improved in that. Um, like, for example, when I was at my worst, I, I used to, um, people call it body checking. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term, but like anytime before or after I would eat, I would like check my body, look at my stomach and see like, oh, like how much can I eat right now? Or like, am I allowed to eat? That sort of oh thing. Oh my God, this must be a millennial thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. That's but nowadays, awful. like I see myself like when I take a shower, basically, like that's all. Like I'm not so focused on that like I do love like being fit like going to the gym and working out and whatnot but um I don't want it to like ruin my day or I don't let that like thought be constant in my mind all the time like I used to always be focused on how how do I feel like feeling my body like with my hands and all and like do I feel skinny enough today can I wear this and that and 
Um, so I definitely have made improvements in that sense. In college, were you taking a lot of selfies? That was a weird question. Not so many. That wasn't out yet. That wasn't the thing yet. We didn't have. (laughs) No, I know we didn't. I'm just saying that's why we're asking. No, well, no, but the reason I'm asking is because I would imagine, at least now, like Mm -hmm. I could see that being a big issue. And everybody, you know, even even I do it before I'm taking a selfie. Like, like I look at myself in my phone before I even click it. I'm like, how do I look? What's the better angle? Because I can imagine (laughs) that if that was going on. Maybe that's why you're doing the body checking, or or even if girls are doing that now, I don't know. I didn't really. I guess mm-hmm. in the beginning I did, but um, it's kind of crazy because I look back at like when I was struggling and I have no pictures of I don't I barely have any pictures of myself like during that time because I didn't I didn't want people to see me. The body checking thing is that something you learned from your friends? Like who was doing this? I think it was just something that came along with my obsession on losing weight and being like having the perfect body. I just always wanted to see my progress. I was like obsessed with that progress and I think that's where it came from. But I, I didn't know others were doing it until recently I started talking to other people who struggled with eating disorders and they had brought it up. And then I learned the term body checking. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because too, like especially when you're hard on yourself or you're obsessive about something like some people or you may not have even you like not have seen your body as it is or as how other people saw it mm-hmm. like other people probably thought you were really thin skinny yeah and you probably still like non-fat yeah I mean that's but what is that body dysmorphia yeah, yeah that's definitely. a thing yeah do you see a difference in your generation versus your parents generation versus you know older people that you know do you see your generation as being more body obsessed because of the access we have to cameras at all times yes definitely maybe 50 percent or maybe even more because they wouldn't have told me of my friends i've struggled with an eating disorder wow 50 yeah. percent a lot of my friends have wow and a lot of people in the vegan community which is interesting to me mm, that is interesting huh yeah there are some people that i don't know personally but i see them on there showing their selfies of their little stomachs. I'm sure you know exactly who I'm talking to about, about, but I don't want to list them. And you're like, you're not health. And they're like preaching the vegan diet, yeah. plant-based lifestyle. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but a concave stomach is not healthy. Like, you don't look good, girlfriend. And I definitely think the access to social media, it, it could be positive in the sense that it could inspire people to live a healthier lifestyle, but it could also be negative because people could be following like models and I don't know, those people that take selfies all the time and it's not healthy for them to try to live up to that image. Like, I want people to realize that everybody on social media is a real person and everybody goes through struggles and those models and all, like, that is not normal or that's not, like, the ideal that you should be living up to. You should strive to be healthy. And that's the problem. I remember reading an article about, this was, like, a couple of years ago, about this uh, relationship we have with social media where we're always comparing ourselves or most people are when they go onto their Facebook or whatever Instagram or whatever they are comparing themselves to everybody they see and everybody usually has my life is amazing look at me I'm rich I'm successful I have kids whatever whatever it is I'm a model whatever it is Mm -hmm. Um, and people compare themselves and then and then are harder on themselves because they believe all of that to be true yeah when most of the time Uh it's probably not well no one's showing well, I got in a huge fight with my husband today. No one's Stop showing. That. I've seen some people put, like, they use it as, like, a way to vent and be negative. Yeah, that's a little... Most people do not. Yeah. Just trying to make a point of how it's affecting our society mentally mm-hmm. in terms of the way we view ourselves and what we should be living up to. Yeah. And I don't necessarily, like, yes, it can be good and you can connect with people and find recipes and work towards a better health, but mm-hmm. you can also go the opposite way and go, 
I'm a loser and I'm not good enough, so I'm going to go eat ice cream. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I don't know. And, like, one thing that I like to focus on my social media and YouTube specifically is I try to show every aspect of my life. I don't want to ever make it seem like I'm living in, like, a fairy tale and my life is perfect and whatnot. If I have problems, if something bad happens in my day, I definitely share it, like, more so now than before. I'm definitely more open to it because I, I do want to, like, show girls, specifically, like, young girls who have emailed me um, regarding like eating disorder and like self-love and all of that and I want to show them this is my normal life and I don't want you to like try to be me or try to be anything other than yourself um, so I think it's important for people to show every aspect of their life so that people realize they're real people it's a really beautiful message <laughs> <laughs> and when you were um, coming up in college and high school who are your role models were they people on Instagram were they influencers or were they Kardashians on television like who did you follow who were the people of your generation that were inspiring whether good or bad just curious um in high school I guess more so celebrities mm -hmm. um I watched a lot of tv and movies and I was like in I guess more into that culture but once I got into college I stopped watching tv more because I didn't have a tv when I moved into my dorm room but um, then it started being social media influencers. I started seeing like, fr like Freely, like, the Banana Girl, <laughs> um, Fully Rock Christina, different like uh, different people that I found on social media, and they became my role models. Yeah, I'm just curious because I feel like the models of who we follow have changed so much. So mm -hmm. for our parents' generation, it was the movie stars, and then for our generation, it was like the reality stars, and then for yeah. your generation, it's like. YouTube and Instagram influencers and it's yeah. constantly changing but it's also like Susie said it's now our friends our family because we're seeing their idealistic life portrayed on social media oh that's interesting I yeah. never even thought about that and it's like the people are showing most people except for the people that are kind of downers on social media most of them are showing the best of the best and are not showing the troubling times that you know people go through every day so you're like wow I went to high school with that person. How are they so much better <laughs> off than me? Well, no, they're just taking great photos. I just had a thought. So you're, so I, I think all eating disorders are very, like we said, focused on around control, feeling like you have no control in your life, but you can control what you put in your body and therefore what you look like to the world at large. And control, I think, for humans is just an illusion. The only thing we have right. control over are our own actions. But it's almost like the social media nowadays, that's like the new form of control as to how you're viewed, right? So like you can brag about stuff. It's almost like it's like another form of having control over how you're viewed mm -hmm. by the public at large. I don't know. That's that's a stretch, but no, I just had it that is. thought. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I've never thought about I just that. know a lot of people, a lot of friends, um, you know, I'm in my late 30s, but I have a lot of friends right now that are going off of Facebook. I think they're trying to reconnect with themselves, actually, mm -hmm. and not care so much about yeah. it, living their life as opposed to documenting it and sharing it with um, the web. Yeah. I just couldn't get rid of my news feed because I like reading the curated news <laughs> from what all my friends think because then that helps me form my opinion so I don't have to do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I totally understand that, Susie. I mean, it makes sense because it can be a total time suck. It can take you out of who you are and why mm -hmm. you're doing what you're doing. And yeah. that's not healthy for anyone. So have a healthy relationship with your social media, Food Heals Nation. If yeah. you don't, get off of it for a little bit. Do a detox. Do a I detox. Just in general, everybody needs to have a life outside of it because like, like Facebook now, Instagram has a sort of algorithm that they – they um, change your feed so that it's not in order. I don't know if you guys have noticed, it's not in chronological order anymore. No. And they try to show you things they think you will like yeah. more than mm -hmm. others. So mm -hmm. you'll miss people's photos completely. 
and you'll I, I feel like everybody will be closed-minded that way it'll show you what they think you want to see so people need to go outside of social media outside of um that aspect of their life and just explore the world and make decisions for themselves call someone on the phone <laughs> yes <laughs> have a conversation with someone right next to you so yeah someone in the coffee shop you mm-hmm. know when you go into anywhere public these days everyone's on their phone and i am too i'm not saying I, i'm not but everyone's heads are down yeah and there's a funny cartoon about this where it's like oh don't complain about that because it used to be everyone in the coffee shop with their newspapers up right <laughs> but people still talk to people about they had to. the newspaper mm-hmm, they yeah. didn't sit there in silence it's just a different and people literally are bumping into people at the airport and at the mall and like whatever because everyone's heads are down on their freaking cell phone i saw someone the other day walking down the street with this now there's there's these glasses right and like and like visors and stuff that are like virtual reality virtual reality oh stuff. god, oh god. No. i saw someone with a whole whole plastic thing in front of their face almost like a motorcycle helmet and you couldn't see into it, it was like like what is that called when it's like it looks like a rainbow across it but it was completely opaque but she was walking down the street and I was like oh my god that is so weird looking and I was just imagining like that is what's coming yeah oh god so you don't even have to interact with anybody anymore because you have your screen I mean that's a trip I can't imagine and the Pokemon thing I don't understand have you heard of um, I don't know if it's real now but Pokemon match no they have it so like I guess while you're playing Pokemon you could go to a Pokestop and like it's like a dating dating app now no that's hilarious (laughs) so wait you're playing the game and if you want to find a date, <laughs> you can. If they happen to be at the same like Pokey stop, stop. Yeah. Oh my. It's God. crazy. I don't. I don't understand. The first Pokemon wedding is gonna be <laughs> with everybody's visors. They don't even have to be there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Come to my wedding, and then they send you a little. You just head stream thing. in. Yeah. Stream it. God, it's coming. It's I know, actually it's sad. I don't like where the world is going. <laughs> but there's people like Jasmine doing good things in the world. We'll be right back to find out how Jasmine's boyfriend, also known as Conscious Chris Online, won her heart and helped her get healthy. Today's show is sponsored by the Global Healing Center. You know them. We talk about them all the time. You know that all their products are organic, are free of GMOs, use no toxic ingredients, are eco-friendly. And you know that I'm obsessed with their Parfait Visage. And I'm obsessed with their Aqua Spirit Refreshing Spray. And you know we scored a discount code for you to get 20% off of their products. Yep. Use coupon code FOODHEALS to get 20% off plus free shipping on your purchase at globalhealingcenter.com. You're listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. All right, we are back with Jasmine. She's the blogger from sweetsimplevegan.com. Jasmine believes everything happens for a reason, even her experience with an eating disorder. That experience with body dysmorphia led her to her true passion, vegan cooking, and she's even written an ebook, Sweet Simple Vegan. Jasmine had to get in touch with what was at the root of her eating disorder, and that was lack of self-love. So Jasmine discovered how to love herself and even met the love of her life, Conscious Chris. And we're going to talk about how he won her heart and really helped her get healthy after (laughs) her eating disorder. So how did you lovebirds find each other? (laughs) Well, we met at Natural Product Expo, if you guys have heard of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we met there last March, and then um, we rekindled in Austin, Texas. We went to a blogger conference. We're both vegan bloggers. 
So we hung out there, and then... I was at both of those. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and then um, it just so happened that my brother, what, my brother was like, hey, let's go to New York for a trip. So we went, and Chris was living in New Jersey at the time. Um, so I we went on our first date when my brother and I went on that trip, and then it all was from there. So after she went back to L.A. from New York, we kept in touch. We were Skyping for a while. But long term is, I mean, uh, long distance is r- relatively difficult. Uh, we didn't really have a label at that point either. We were just uh, we kept in touch. We both didn't know what was going to happen because he lives so far. <laughs> and then uh, I came out to visit in September, and um, I, I was staying in Pasadena, so I think we hung out every day that I was yeah. here. <laughs> and um, after that, uh, it was about it took about a month, uh, uh, and then I moved out here. So I work for my computer. I work for Vegan Cuts, so I'm able to, I can work from wherever, which is nice. Um, so once that happened uh, in October, I moved, and then everything just kind of fell into place. It's such a different lifestyle here than in New Jersey. So it's been. What really- do you mean? <laughs> there's an actual vegan community i mean in new jersey i'm joking yeah. <laughs> i'm from long island so i get it uh, oh, yeah. yeah my husband's from new jersey tri-state so. area what uh, i know yeah. i get to experience new jersey about once a year and it's, it's definitely i still haven't been we're gonna go in december so i love it i'll see it's what happens just, just to visit right <laughs> yeah so i don't know when i met chris i was so hesitant about making anything of a relationship just because I felt like I didn't want him to know about what I had gone through and I was just I, I was like embarrassed about it at first I just I felt like I was going to bring him to a whole problem in my life and I didn't want him to have to like I don't know just like have struggle with me were you sense. still suffering from the eating disorder at this point um not so much as I was before but I was definitely still self-conscious and I definitely still had a lot of down days at that time but I was definitely more healthy and I was um better in that in that way I don't know we just connected so quickly the first day I remember like I never would ever go out of my way to talk to someone at a party or anything and I did t- with Chris <laughs> and we clicked so easily and um, I don't know, just getting to know him more helped me get to know myself more. And I, I just feel like our connection really helped me love myself in a, a whole different way that I had never before that. And he just helped me sort of I get back on my feet. And it's been cool because we're able to, we're both bloggers. I was just kind of starting my blog as uh, she, she was more of experienced and uh, we were able to work together on, on recipes and taking photos and like... Uh, She's really good at styling things uh, in photos, so we were able to just like work together to to really increase what we're doing and like yeah. really like bringing our content to the next level. So and that I I think that since we had the same passion and the same hobbies and that helped us connect in a whole different way that I don't think I could have with anyone else. So um, again, like it helped me definitely love myself more, and I think that that was the last thing that I needed to push myself to. The place that I am today. Congratulations, that's amazing. So you guys are both building these vegan empires, I would say. <laughs> so we are Facebook Live, so usually we ask this at the end, but because we have people watching right now, where can everyone find both of you all online, follow you, stalk you, everything like that? Okay, so I have a blog. I share recipes, lifestyle tips, my story, and everything in between. Um, it's sweetsimplevegan.com. And then my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everything is sweetsimplevegan. 
And then I, I also have a blog. It's ConsciousChris.net. I share uh, recipes, lifestyle tips as well. Um, I, I want to focus more on like the, the male aspect of it. There are not as many men in the vegan community. So yeah, good for you. <laughs> it's, it's cool to kind of inspire that and, and to show people that um, it can be a manly thing. Or I mean, you don't really have to put a um, masculine or feminine connotation on it, uh, which is and I also I want to like uh, feature travel tips and things like that because we like to travel a lot so it's cool to kind of share our experiences being vegan on the road and where there aren't a million vegan restaurants around to kind of yeah kind of have to get creative What's with it has been the hardest place you guys travel to being vegan Utah <sighs> yeah we were just that was quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what we, happened in Utah we were just on our road trip uh, a few weeks ago I think we got back about a month ago and there was no, nothing nothing there. like we we last minute decided to bring a rice cooker and we used that thing every single day because we had to make food in our hotel room. There was no other option. So it was definitely, it was just interesting and it was kind of eye-opening because we are so sheltered here in LA um, mm-hmm. in terms of vegan options and the vegan community and it was just, we were more exposed to what people always say, how it's so hard to be vegan in their areas and yeah, yeah, it was definitely a challenge. Well, it was a challenge, but it's doable. We were in um in an Arizona in the middle of nowhere, and we stopped at a coffee shop, and uh, Jasmine was wearing her vegan AF shirt. One of the girls at the counter was like, oh, are you guys from around here? So I saw that, that she had a vegan shirt on, and it, you could tell the girl was interested in veganism, but like it was such a foreign thing there that she was like, you guys can't be from around here. So <laughs> it was just, it was really interesting. <laughs> So what are some travel tips? Because this is, when I get off a plane in anywhere that is not a big city like New York, Chicago, I just go, all right, where's the nearest Whole Foods? Because at least I know I can Mm -hmm. get something. But what is your biggest travel tip for when you get off a plane somewhere and you're like, you know what? I don't know what to do. What what is your go-to? Happy cow. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, good one. Okay, Definitely so tell happy them what Happy Cow. Cow is. Happy Cow is an app that will help you locate not just vegan restaurants, but um, any restaurant around you or uh, is it just restaurants? It's restaurants, it's grocery stores. Like and markets. grocery stores mm-hmm. that have vegan options that you can have, so... It definitely helps. <laughs> it's a great resource. And yeah. again, I mean, Whole Foods and any grocery store really is, is a go-to. And bringing a rice cooker or something you can prepare meals with is yeah. definitely... Um, what you're going to want to do if you're not in a major city. Mm-hmm. At least. And when we were traveling or when we go on like little trips or anything that I feel we're going to be out the whole day and I don't know what's going to happen food wise, I always have food in my bag. Even if it's dried fruit to keep you through like a few hours if you need to go find a food place or if you need to check into your hotel, like definitely have snacks on hand. Absolutely. And so earlier on the break, we were talking about how to eat plant-based without giving up cheese. And you guys gave me some good cheese recommendations. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Um, Chris and I were talking a couple weeks ago, and we were saying that people say like, oh, I can't go vegan because I can't give up cheese. But why don't you give up every other non-vegan product in your diet and just, if you need cheese for a while, just stick to that. It'll... Like, eliminating all those other things will help the animals and the environment so much. And eventually, just keep in mind that you're working towards getting rid of that cheese. And there's so many awesome vegan cheese options nowadays. There's, like, chow cheese, Miyoko's cheese, and... Um, yeah, the new Miyoko's mozzarella just blew me away. Kind of insane. Like, Miyoko's mm-hmm. is to die for. <laughs> <It really is. laughs> when you make pizza with it, oh, oh my God. Have you had so it, Susie? I'm going to bring it. I'm going to have some of our next <laughs> session. At Expo West, she had the whole, like... 
tasting section. Oh, oh my god. Oh, she had pizzas there, right? Yeah. I had so many slices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nowadays I feel like there's a vegan option for anything. Like I know there's a saying like anything you can do, I can do vegan. I heard that. So Wait, that should be a song. Anything you can do, I can do vegan. Yeah, there's a vegan option for anything. So if you have like anything that you're questioning that you can't give up when you go vegan, you don't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we wrap up, Jasmine, what is your advice for anyone who is trying to change their diet, trying to change their lifestyle, and really trying to find more self-love? If you fall down, pick yourself back up again. It's not the end of the world and you learn from your mistakes, you learn from like all the problems that you face and you learn your strengths and weaknesses and that's yeah, that's what makes you stronger and I like to tell people that veganism is a journey and like for me personally, it wasn't just a diet. Like it affected me in so many different ways. It helped me love myself more, it helped me be more positive. It helped me make a bigger difference in the world. So yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. I love it. All right. I'm going to end the Facebook Live. If you're watching us on Facebook, thanks for watching. And if you're listening to this on the Food Heals podcast, you can go to facebook.com slash foodhealsnation to watch this video with Jasmine and Chris and Susie and me. All right. Bye, Facebook. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right, Jasmine, can you leave us with a tweetable? Love yourself. Choose health. Hashtag vegan, hashtag sweet simple vegan. Beautiful. <laughs> Tweet it to Jasmine at sweet simple veg. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. Use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast so we can see your posts. All right, both of you, just one more time. Where can everyone find you online? You can find me on sweetsimplevegan.com and also on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, sweet simple vegan. And I can be found on consciouschris.net and on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter uh, at consciouschris. And Susie, where can everyone find you online? I'm redoing my website. Ask me next week. Will do. Thanks for being here, you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks Thank for you. being here, guys. Food Heals Nation, we are throwing down in Hollywood, and you are invited. Come and join us at Hollywood's premier design studio, Laundry, on October 8th to celebrate our one-year anniversary party. This red carpet event will feature green juice, vegan wine, waffle cake sundaes by Gluten-Free with Emily, lots of savory, delicious meals from the Jing Slingers, Jay and Joy, and of course, don't forget, we will have our signature Lululemon swag bags with lots of products, including some of our favorites from the Global Healing Center. You knew that was coming. And if you're not in LA, we will be live broadcasting from the event on Facebook Live, and we will put the episode on a future episode of the Food Heals podcast where we are interviewing some of our favorite people like eco-vegan gal Whitney Lauritsen, the healthy vegan chef Vince Leah, and of course the host of Hallmark's Home and Family Show and gorgeously green author Sophie Uliano, who's one of my favorite people. And you can get tickets right now. Head on over to foodhealsanniversary.eventbrite.com. And of course, you know, we're not going to leave you without a special discount. So you can get 15% off tickets using the discount code foodheals15. That is 15% off, but that's going to expire on 9-22, September 22nd. So make sure to grab your tickets before 9-22. But if you missed that and you're not sure you're not ready to commit, you can still get 10% off tickets using the discount code foodheals 10 that will expire October 2nd and after that up until the event tickets will be full price so go get your tickets we hope to see you there
These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately. (laughs) 